This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Donata Strengs-Gilrud, and I'm an attorney licensed in Illinois and a certified information privacy professional. I'm also the president and legal engineer behind Termageddon, a software as a service that has generated and successfully kept up to date thousands of privacy policies. Outside of work, I'm the chair of the American Bar Association's e-privacy committee and the member of the cybersecurity legal task force there as well. And I'm also the chair of the Chicago Bar Association's Privacy and Cybersecurity Committee. Wow, that is a lot. And I feel like some of that, you mentioned it was kind of outside of work, which, uh, you know, I thought you'd mention, oh, you know, <laughs> I've got a family or whatever. And I was like, geez, this still all sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I, I have home responsibilities as well. Um, yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's amazing. I feel like there's so many questions around all of these topics that you cover. So this is going to be a really useful and helpful uh, episode. So thank you for being here to begin with, Donata. And so the question that we're going to answer and talk about today are just what are privacy policy best practices? So I know that I see I see a lot of different things when it comes to privacy policies. And you see them just kind of, especially on mobile, just take over the screen and there's all these little buttons and they keep popping up up and you're just trying to get to the content that you're trying to get to. So I know a lot of my clients sometimes avoid them because they don't want that kind of a user experience. So let's start there. Like, What are some of the things that, that are best practices in terms of not being so annoying about privacy policies? <laughs> Yeah, I think really the main point that I I wanted to get across to people today is that if your website is collecting personal data, so if you're collecting names, emails, phone numbers, IP addresses, anything like that, that data is not regulated. So we have a variety of different privacy laws all over the world and in the U.S. that some businesses may need to comply with. But I think the most important thing to remember is that this is a regulated area now. Um, So there is a very specific set of rules that people need to follow to make sure that they are compliant with those laws, rules, and regulations. And I think when it comes to privacy policies themselves, you know, usually a privacy policy is not as annoying because usually it's just at the bottom of the website and you have a link to the privacy policy and people can click and read it. It's not a big deal. I think the part that most people, you know, get really annoyed by is the cookie consent pop-ups. And that's because there's a variety of different privacy laws in the UK, EU, and Canada that govern the collection or the input of cookies onto somebody's device. And that kind of goes into my second point here is that you need to first determine what privacy laws apply to you and what requirements you follow. So a lot of clients, a lot of people will just say, okay, well, everyone else has the cookie consent banner, so I need to have one too. And and that's really not the case. So to really understand whether you have to have it on your website, it is something that's very annoying to all of us, I think. Now you have like 20 pop-ups whenever you visit any website. 
um, first figure out if those privacy laws apply to you, you know, if you actually need to have one. Um, and if you do need to have one, you know, you probably should follow the laws, you know, this being a, a, an attorney podcast, but just figure out, a, figure out a good solution to do that with. Okay, so let's break down the difference between terms, the terms and conditions, the cookie policies and the privacy policies. So real real brief kind of high level description. What are those three and what what's the difference? Sure. Uh, so a privacy policy is a document that explains your privacy practices. So for example, what data are you collecting? What do you do with that data and who you share it with? Your privacy policy disclosures will be dictated by the privacy laws that apply to you. So each privacy law has a different set of disclosures that it requires. So that's why you need to make sure that you figure out what privacy laws apply to you first so that you can make sure that you have all the right disclosures in your privacy policy. On the other hand, a cookie policy concerns the cookies that are on your website. So any different kinds of tracking that are used to track a particular person as they use your website. So for example, like Google Analytics installs a cookie on your website. So cookie policy will explain what cookies are set on your website, where they're coming from, how long they last, and how individuals can opt out of being tracked through the website. And then we have the terms of service. Uh, So the terms of service basically explains the rules of using your website, things that people can do and things that people cannot do. So for example, if you have e-commerce, it will explain cancellations, returns, refunds, anything like that, subscriptions. It can also help protect your intellectual property by providing a DMCA notice and can help you, you know, make sure that any disputes concerning your website are resolved where is the most convenient forum for you. Okay, so going, I feel like the cookies policy is the one that really gets in the way the most often. And it's it's confusing because there's been different ways of implementing it. I've seen every which way that people have it pop up. And so going into the cookie policy, and, and also this does really apply to pretty much every website that we do as for our agency. So Pretty much every firm that we work with, we are going to install Google and Analytics because we need to know the traffic that's coming to your to your site. And so that's a standard. We often will have an email, some kind of an email service that's hooked into the website as well. And then sometimes we have clients who are selling those digital products like a download or something like that. And so then they're in getting into that whole e-commerce side of things. So that's a whole other ball of wax as well when it comes to all of these policies. So when it comes to the cookie policy, do you what is what are the are there standards? Do you have to have the one that like pops up in your face or what are the rules around that and and is there a way to be less obnoxious? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, so first you'd have to figure out if the privacy laws that require cookie consent solution would apply to you. So that would be GDPR, United Kingdom Data Protection Act, the e-privacy directive, PIPETA, and CCPA. You know, so under the CCPA, that doesn't apply to every single business. Um, So you definitely want to make sure that that applies to you. GDPR, you know, the offering goods or services to residents of the EU or tracking the behavior of residents of the EU online. And tracking the behavior of EU residents online is where we see a lot of U.S.-based businesses, for example, 
example, getting caught up in GDPR. What's really interesting is that the use of Google Analytics, some people do consider that tracking the behavior of users online. And a lot of companies that use Google Analytics will then be automatically subjected to GDPR. But, you know, there was recently some cases stating that Google Analytics is not GDPR compliant in and of itself. Um, so the use of Google Analytics, I think a lot of companies will start moving away from that and will start moving towards more privacy-focused analytics providers that provide essentially the same level and quality of analytics, you know, without actually subjecting them to privacy laws or potentially putting them in jeopardy of non-compliance. Um, in terms of the um, cookie consent pop-up itself, you know, there's very clear guidelines on this. So, you know, you need to obtain consent before you place non-essential cookies on a user's device. Non-essential cookies are cookies that are not necessary to the operation of the website. So Google Analytics is a perfect example of a cookie that is not necessary to the operation of the website. If I don't have Google Analytics, the website will still work. And, you know, with non-essential cookies, the main concern with cookie consent pop-ups is that you need to get proper consent, meaning that there needs to be a yes and a no option or a accept and a decline option. You know, all of the cookie consent banners that say, well, by using this website, we're going to assume that you're okay with cookies and then you click okay. Unfortunately, those are not compliant. So you really need to give users an actual choice as to whether or not they would like to consent to those cookies and then provide users with a way to opt out or withdraw their consent from cookies as well. So if I accepted cookies yesterday and then today I changed my mind and say you know what I'm sorry I, I didn't mean to click accept or you know I don't want to allow these cookies anymore they must have the ability to withdraw consent and it must be as easy as it was to to provide it. So how does that work? So if they decline consent or if they come back later and decline consent are they not allowed to work through the website or kind of click through the website or how, how does that typically work? Uh, no, they can continue using the website. That's totally fine. It's just the cookies that are not necessary to the operation of the website will not fire. Meaning, you know, if I go onto a website and it has Google Analytics installed, Google Analytics must be disabled by default by the cookie consent provider. And it must be enabled only if I click accept. So if I click deny or if I don't do anything, Google Analytics is never implemented on my device and I'm never tracked as I go through the website. Okay. Okay. So let's get into how this all comes back to Termageddon because there's so many different, and, and also on, on top of everything else, these things change. So like the policies and the laws, they change from time to time. And it's, it's kind of a project just to keep on top of the change and the keeping up with what's happening like today versus last year. So Termageddon is the service that, that your company provides. And we use this for our clients as well, because it you, you plug in your information and then it gets installed onto the website in a way that continually checks and makes sure that everything is, is the way it needs to be. And I'm sure you can describe this in a better way than I can. Do you want to kind of explain how, how it works a little bit better? <laughs> 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Termageddon, you know, we ask you a series of questions or, or the software asks you a series of questions. So the first set of questions will help the software determine what privacy laws actually apply to you. And the remainder set of questions are concerning the disclosures that your privacy policy needs to make under those particular privacy laws that apply to you. And then your answers are used to create a privacy policy that fits your actual business and privacy practices. So we create the text of the policy, which you're welcome to edit and, and all of those things. And then after that, we also create an embed code. So the embed code is what goes onto the website's policy pages and displays the policy. After that is completed, we keep track of privacy laws and bills. So if any new law passes, an existing law is amended, new regulations are issued, new cases are issued that interpret the law differently than they did previously, we'll update your policy for you to make sure that it fits those new standards. Nice. Okay. So this goes into the next question that I have. In the past, I used to have a lot of clients who would ask me, before I started working and using Termageddon, they would say, okay, well, how do I figure out what I should say? And they would just go to the next biggest firm down the street and look at what they're having, you know, what looking, look at what they're using and kind of copy and paste and maybe edit a little bit. Um, so why should, first of all, why is that a bad idea? Because <laughs> I feel like it's a really bad idea. And second of all, there's all these templates that people can find out, out there on the internet. Why should people not just go out and find a template and use that? Yeah, so first of all, copying and pasting somebody else's policies could be considered copyright infringement. Um, second, <laughs> you don't really know what privacy laws your competitor needs to comply with. So it could be a completely different set of privacy laws than you, depending on the size of their business, where they do business, all of those things. So their policy could have disclosures for privacy laws that don't apply to you, meaning that by having those disclosures, now it is going to apply to you. Or it could be missing the disclosures by the privacy laws that apply to you and not to your competitor. Even if you do copy and paste somebody else's privacy policy, you're still going to have to go through it and change all of it. So the FTC has said numerous times that your privacy policy needs to be accurate as to your actual business and privacy practices. Otherwise, it's an unfair and deceptive practice to, to do it otherwise. So you're really going to spend hours and hours of your time going through it and editing it to make sure it fits your business and your practices. And then lastly, you're going to have to check that policy all of the time to see if it's been updated for the new privacy laws. So for example, we have six new privacy laws going into effect next year. So if you were to copy and paste somebody else's policies, you would either have to track those privacy laws yourself and make updates, or you have to track their privacy policy and, and hope and pray that they have made those updates and then copy and paste those updates over to yours. Um, so really, it's, it's going to be inaccurate. It's not going to fit your business, and it's going to cost you a lot of time. Okay, so sorry. What's So what's at risk? What what have you seen? Because I know this is the world that, you know, your business lives in. And I, to be honest, I have clients who we did their website easily 10 years ago. And I know for a fact that they have not updated their policies. So what's, what's the what's at risk with that? What's what are the potential issues they could face? So really, there, there's a variety of different issues. So first is fines. So privacy law non-compliance fines start at $2,500 per website visitor whose privacy rights you infringed upon. That's calculated per website visitor. So you can see how that could potentially, you know, balloon into a very large amount. 
Two is, is data disgorgement. So authorities have required companies to delete data that they've obtained illegally. So if you have an email list or something like that, you know, you'd want to make sure that you have proper consent with a proper privacy policy to email these people because you could lose that data. And then lastly, the business loss. So a lot more customers nowadays are concerned about their privacy online. They are looking for these features. They are looking to make sure you have a privacy policy and that it's, you know, actually makes sense to them and, and makes them comfortable, you know, and some consumers, if they don't see one or see one that's blatantly just copied and pasted, like it has somebody else's business name, they might not want to do business with you because they don't think that you're a professional firm. Yeah, as it's a really bad impression, it makes it, it look sloppy. And if you're a lawyer on top of it, and you're copying, uh, you know, a, these are legal documents from a competitor, and you haven't changed the competitor's name, and it clearly looks like it's 10 years old, it's all just kind of a bad, bad impression, bad idea. It's bad all the way around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I go onto a lawyer's website, and I see that they've copied and pasted somebody else's privacy policy, well, my first thought is, well, is that the kind of documents and work product that you'll provide for me as a client? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yikes. That's that's really bad. And I mean, to do it the right way, it's really not a significant investment. And especially if you use something like Termageddon, where it's going to regularly update, it's just it's it's another insurance policy that we provide to make sure that, you know, you're covered. It's the same way that we cover. And I know you do do a lot of work and, and talk with the ABA about hacking and cybersecurity and all of that. But I feel like it all ties together, protecting yourself against making sure that you're covered with your policies, as well as protecting your websites against getting hacked and malware and all of that stuff. It's all just part of the sort of standard operations. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, with templates, too, we kind of touch that a little bit. But I think, you know, some people may be tempted to get a template online. And with templates, too, I do have to say that number one, they don't combine multiple privacy laws. So if more than one privacy law applies to you, that template will not help you at all. Two, some templates will say that they're, you know, let's say GDPR compliant, for example. The template doesn't help you figure out whether that actually applies to you. And nine times out of 10, it won't even have all the GDPR um, disclosures in there either, which is really unfortunate. You will still have to fill out the template. So you'll still have to enter all of that information into the template and write it yourself. And then lastly, they don't update either. So you'll have to keep track of, of all of those things. So I think copying and pasting somebody else's policy or using a template really would not recommend it. Yeah, it's a it's a bad practice. So going just for a moment into the GDPR, I know that it just feels like GDPR, it specifically only applies to Europe and European visitors. Is that right? Mm. Sort nope. of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, explain a little bit more about where it would apply to a U.S.-based law firm who really just is seeking and working with U.S.-based clients. Yeah, so it will apply to you if you're offering goods or services to residents of the EU. If you're just licensed in the United States and in one of the states here that shouldn't touch you as an attorney, or if you're tracking the behavior of EU residents online. And that's where all of the analytics stuff comes in. So if you are using like Google Analytics, for example, that could be considered tracking their behavior online as they use your website, meaning that GDPR will apply to you then. And that's when you'll be subject to it. So that's why we try to be really careful with analytics because just by the nature of using certain analytics companies, you could make yourself subject to GDPR, 
to the UK Data Protection Act, to a number of different privacy laws. So that's where the analytics comes in. It gets really messy. Yeah, yeah. So if you have visitors coming from from Europe, they're not even necessarily your clients, but you could be at risk because you're using analytics. If you're using, yeah, specifically Google Analytics mostly. There are other analytics providers like Fathom Analytics that does, is not considered tracking the behavior because they don't collect IP address and other personal information. So there are different analytics tools that you could use to get around that as well. Yeah, I keep seeing more and more about the alternatives just because it just seems like a cleaner experience and it it seems like a cleaner um, cleaner when it comes to all of these privacy policies where you can just say, okay, this is not, it doesn't create the same issues that Google Analytics creates. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're getting pretty much the same results from it, you know, you can see all the data and, and all of that stuff. There's no reason to to kind of subject yourself to those privacy laws and all those non-compliance issues. Yeah. 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 That sounds great. So if you are using Google Analytics, you're concerned about all of these things, you can get in touch and we can talk about the alternatives where you can still be tracking and you can still get all the benefits of knowing, you know, how many visitors you've got to to your site and what they're doing and all that without the the compliance and policy issues that Google Analytics presents. So Donata, what is, uh, it's time for the book review. <laughs> and what is the book that you are going to recommend to our audience today? So the book that I would recommend is The Everything Store. So that book is basically about Amazon story and Jeff Bezos early life. And I won't discuss what I, how I actually feel about Amazon itself, but <laughs> it does have some, some great lessons. And I think the main lesson that I saw there is, you know, put your customer or your client first, which, which I think is really, really interesting because for a lot of us, I was in private practice before this. And for me, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm a lawyer, so I know what to do. And the customer client just needs to listen and you know, like if they if they have an issue, that means they don't understand how to work with a lawyer, and that's really not the case. And there's a lot of things that I implemented in my law firm back back in the day, um, like you know, having engagement letters and reminding people of my annual rate before I start some new work for them, or things like that, so that they could really understand what the rules are and they felt really comfortable with it. Because they just they were just reminded like, okay, I'm going to charge you X per hour, just so you know, like, I know we haven't worked together in a couple months, so I'm just going to remind you that and they're like, okay, awesome, thank you. So I think the everything stores has some really good lessons about putting your clients first or, or putting your customers first for Amazon. Um, you know, and I thought that was really interesting. So I definitely recommend it. Well, that sounds great. I just had a conversation with a woman who talks a lot about being a better conversationalist. And a lot of that ties into what you're saying about just communicating better with your with your clients and letting them know all of the details. I feel like, especially when people are working with lawyers, they they may have never worked with a lawyer before. And so it's a little bit overwhelming and they're coming in and they've probably got a big concern or an issue or something going on in their life. And so just kind of being a better communicator and getting out there and, you know, Amazon does a does a good job of kind of giving us all those alerts and letting us know how how many stops away is my thing <laughs> my thing on the truck and you know letting keeping you aware of all the things that you may or may not care to know. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm married to a non-lawyer and I remember I was having this conversation. He's like, well, you know, when people talk to lawyers, they're like so nervous. I'm like, why? I mean, I just could not understand why people would be nervous because I'm a lawyer, talk to lawyers all the time. It's great. But, you know, his explanation was that like, hey, you have this like special training, you have this separate world of knowledge, and that makes people really nervous. And they, they think they don't know what's going on. So being able to explain that to clients upfront it just does wonders for that relationship. Yeah, it just kind of puts them at ease and they have a better understanding of like where things are going and that you're a human too. And there's something about talking to lawyers, especially when it's something that you are talking to them. Like if I'm talking to a lawyer just as a client or in just general social situations, that's different than when I'm talking to a lawyer about an issue that when I need their help with something. And there's something that in my brain lines it up a little bit with talking to a police officer. Like when they when you get pulled over and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I know I made a mistake, but I am my heart is racing. I'm kind of freaking out right now. I feel like so it's Except probably the lawyers there to get you out of trouble or yeah, to like, yeah, you out, I don't know, you know why it's the same, but for some reason it's you know, and it's not quite to that extreme, but it's on it's on that same page. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's very interesting. I mean, maybe just kind of trying to to explain whatever that situation is and and feeling like I don't know what it is, but you know, there's there is something that in my brain it kind of fits into the same bucket. Yeah, I think with lawyers, like we're just trying to help you. Obviously, we're your lawyer, not not the opposing side. The po- the, this doesn't apply to the opposing side. But, um, you know, your lawyer is usually trying to help you because their time and their hours, their bill depends on you getting help. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's good to know, though, that it's something that that can be worked through and improved and like getting those kind of levels of communication improved so that I feel like you just have a better client interaction. And then the the chance that it, if they need to come back to you and they felt felt like it was a good experience that that they will or they'll send referrals or, you know, whatever the case might be, you just you want people to have had a good experience with with you, your law firm, your business, you know, all, all of the above. So it sounds like a great book. Well, Definitely link to that in uh, the show notes and on the page and have the link to the book available on, on social media and all that good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And if I can just bring it full circle real quick, um, your website policies are the same thing. So your website policies are documents that help explain to people what they should expect when visiting your website. Yes, I love it. I love it. Because the next thing I was going to ask you is what's a one big takeaway that people can get from this episode? And I feel like that was it. <laughs> I feel like you like read my mind there. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll use that as a takeaway. Yeah, I think that was perfect because it all comes down to communication. And if like I just keep coming back to these old websites that I know are out there, they've got policies from 10 plus years ago that clearly don't even apply anymore. And it's communicating. It's not just outdated and dusty. It's bad. It's you're putting yourself and your firm at risk. And it's communicating a really bad thing to your potential clients when they land on that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so Donata Stroink Skillrud is the president and legal engineer behind Termageddon and obviously associated with the ABA and cybersecurity and this whole world of cool kind of behind the scene policies and and cybersecurity. That was a really fascinating conversation and thank you so much for clearing up all of the details of 
policies versus terms versus cookies and, you know, all of these things that everybody sees on websites, but a lot of people don't really understand. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.